What's up everyone and welcome to episode 84 of the Just an Insight podcast, a show where I, Tim Birkbeck, talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. I uh, hope everyone's well, enjoying these darker nights that we seem to be having. Um, <laughs> I'm most certainly not. For a pasty ginger dude, the sun is it's usually not my friend, but I certainly enjoy it a lot more than waking up to go to work and it's still being absolutely pitch black when I wake up and I can't see fuck all. So yeah, um, not enjoying the, the change in weather and stuff at the moment, but... We had quite a sunny Sunday, which was nice. A nice little change for, for mid-October. But yeah, hope everyone else is, is doing good. Had a good week. Um, for me, after a pretty dull week, uh, week after, before last, sorry. Um, been back to being pretty productive this week just gone. So, um, started off by going to a magic show uh, when I saw Jamie Raven. Uh, for those of you who may not know who Jamie Raven is, he was on uh Brent Scott Talent in 2010 I think it was um and obviously he made a career for himself ever since um it's a pretty fun show like I like magic it's pretty cool um and some of the tricks he did were I wouldn't say they were like incredible but they were they were really interesting and like just mind-boggling to figure out how the hell he did it so yeah that was that was quite fun um and then on Wednesday I went and saw uh, Culture Abuse and former podcast guests, uh, Gal Jouet, uh at the Joiners. Both bands are still touring the UK at the moment, so if you get the chance to go see them, if they're in a city near you, highly recommend it. It's the first time Gal Jouet have ever been in the UK, and they were really, really cool. Um, they do play a lot of stuff off Burn Sugar, but fair, it's fair enough, I think, in my opinion. The album's literally been out three weeks now i think so yeah they play a lot of stuff off that um and culture abuse are just loads of fun um it took me a long time to get into bay dream i'll be completely honest but i fucking love that record now and it's um yeah seeing it seeing some of those tracks live is just just a load of fun um and then to finish off my week i was in bristol uh, which I seem to be most of my time nowadays. Uh, I was taking some photos uh, for a friend's band, which was really cool because it means my other little hobby alongside this podcast is now starting to go places. People are asking me to do photos for them, which is which is really nice. Um, but before I came home, uh, me and a group of friends we went and saw a grindcore documentary uh, called Slave to the Grind, which was it was like really interesting, really insightful. But the reason I'm telling you this is because uh during the showing there was a, a drunk guy who i don't know whether he was disagreeing with the film or he just wanted to voice his opinion but he started talking and obviously it was getting on the ne- nerves of a lot of people around us um and then sort of halfway through the film it was in like a little sort of indie cinema art spacey kind of place um and yeah and like halfway through the film they stopped it lights came up and they wanted to get him out and the guy refused to to leave and the whole room started turning on this guy it was quite quite a weird experience to to witness and as my best friend Sophie turned around it was like it was probably one of the most punkest things we'd we'd seen getting kicked out of a cinema watching a grindcore documentary so that was that was my weekend um should we get into a bit of news yeah let's do a bit of news um going to be a lot of sort of screamo related 
stuff this week because there's been a, quite a few bits I want to that I've picked up on my radar in the last week that I want to share with everyone. Um, starting with the band Coma Regalia, um, they posted up a picture on their Facebook page that stated the date uh, 31st of October 2018. No indications of what that necessarily means, but I'm hoping for new music because I fucking love that band. Uh, they're one of the probably the best sort of modern day screamo bands around in my opinion so yeah hopefully we will hear new music in a matter of weeks from from those guys across the pond um sticking with screamo but coming to here in the uk uh i've already bigged up their new album um the band charlotte light and dark they've released an interactive computer game <laughs> to go along with uh the upcoming record um, I will put a link in the description if you so wish to go play it. It is a lot of fun, um, and yeah, it's just just a little bit, bit different, isn't it? Like that's what you want in music, something a bit different. Um, bit of tour news now. Uh, former podcast guests, well, vocalist uh, of the band Daughters was a guest on the podcast, but Daughters uh, have announced that they're going to be doing a run of shows sort of around Europe and the UK uh, around Roadburn Festival um, in terms of the UK they'll be playing Ramsgate, Bristol Manchester, Glasgow, Leeds and London um, if you head over to their Facebook page the posters on there so for dates and details but it's around uh, the end of March beginning of April those dates are as I say sort of around Roadburn um, talking of Roadburn another sort of tour I guess that's been announced it's not really necessarily a tour but the celebration of the life of Caleb Schofield continues, which is uh, Caven and Old Man Gloom touring together doing doing shows. They're obviously announced to do Roadburn, but they literally announced today, which is Monday, uh, that they will be doing a show over in London, the Electoral Ballroom, on April 12th. So if you can't see them at Roadburn, that's an opportunity to go, go check those guys out. And the final little bit of news that I want to share with you guys again with the screamo theme uh mr stars festival over in berlin have started announcing some of the bands which, which will be playing this year's festival um so far they've announced the likes of weak ties morrow lord snow and so many more um i will put a link in the description again for that festival because even if you can't go there's so many kick-ass bands that are playing that are worth your time checking out so yeah that's that's the news for this week uh let's go go for our guest uh and this week we are joined by vocalist and bassist of super unison uh megan o'neill uh we discuss how megan's brother sort of introduced her into alternative music through sort of mixtapes and things like that uh how it was for her getting into the world of music and sort of uh, Punch being the first band that she was really in and going out and exploring through touring and how that band evolved uh, how she relaxed and changed her lyrical style and became more confident in writing her lyrics and obviously now to to transitioning to playing bass and singing how that was how that experience was for her so yeah and obviously loads more talking about the new record that's coming out so uh, sit back enjoy the chat that I have with Megan and I will see you on the other side Uh, joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is bassist and vocalist of Super Unison, uh, Megan O'Neill. Megan, thank you very much for taking the time to to talk to me. How how are things stateside? Oh, they're good. Yeah, just uh, gearing up for 
tour and excited for the record to come out so people can hear it. I think we're really proud of it. So ready to, to share it and go back on tour and see all my friends on the East Coast. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously the, the tracks that you've shared so far have already kind of got a bit of a, a buzz about them. So from, from an inside perspective, is it kind of that, that kind of itch that you want everyone to hear the rest of it now sort of thing? Because obviously we're, we're so close to release date. Yeah, totally. And I mean, some of these songs we've been working on for two years, like since the oh, last wow. one came out. Yeah, it's like the first single, um, yeah, is we started writing two years ago. So we're definitely ready to, to share everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, as I mentioned before, I kind of hit record. Of the, obviously, the show is called Just an Insight. So I'd like to take my guests back to kind of the beginning of their roots, so to say. So what was your first exposure of kind of alternative music? Um, that would be my little brother and um, punk mixtapes he right. was making that uh, we would play in our parents' minivan and he would he would self-edit them. Uh, like, because, you know, t- transcribing the tape is yeah. like live. And so he would turn the volume down real quick if there was a bad <laughs> word. Um but yeah, so just kind of hearing that, you know, like Gorilla Biscuits and other kind of classic stuff that he would make. And then uh, we also listened to Ska. And then, like, my first show was uh, he and I went to see Less Than Jake. Nice. When we're pretty young, because I remember my dad drove us. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it must have been in early high school. But uh, yeah, kind of from him, I always like to give him credit for for getting into stuff first even though he was younger and then, yeah yeah so exposing me to it so was it always kind of like the the kind of because a lot of people their sort of avenue is kind of the i guess quote unquote lots sort of lighter side of sort of rock and metal and things like that and then they kind of yeah find punk later but it, were you always kind of into that sort of punk and hardcore sort of stuff straight early on sort of thing no i would say like first was definitely like alternative rock like we loved, uh, I always say we, and when I say we, I mean my brother and I loved, <laughs> yeah. uh, and we did everything together, so, uh, Smashing Pumpkins and, uh, Soundgarden and stuff like that, yeah. and then, um, then, yeah, he kind of got into punk, I caught up a little bit later, and then, but I liked Ska first, and I definitely always say that that's kind of, like, easier, you know, it's a little happier, I think a little, like, easier to get into, yeah. um, because I remember, like, when Punch would get interviews, like, oh, what did you first listen to? And all the boys would say, like, Metallica or metal. They all kind of got into metal yeah. first and, and then punk. And then I'd be like, Scott. And they'd be like, Megan, <laughs> don't admit that. That's embarrassing. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not embarrassed. It's fun. Um, so I feel like, the, yeah, they're definitely, uh, you know, the metal or the ska or the rock kind of avenues to it. Yeah. So, and it was more the rock and the ska avenue for sure. So, what what's the age gap between yourself and your brother? Uh, a little less than two years. Okay. Uh, so yeah, and then uh, he was in. I mean, he started being in bands in middle school, and uh, I think you know was doing his first tours in high school, and then I was you know after college. So. Oh okay. I, yeah, I was. I just never thought about you know being bands like he's he's a drummer he was one of those kids that was just like banging on pots and pans and on his desk (laughs) you know all the time and I didn't play an instrument so I just thought you know that's his thing I'd just go to shows and then um meeting Keith from Punch and kind of doing gang vocals for some of his old bands and just going to shows I kind of thought maybe I could um 
but I was a lot more shy than my brother, so it just took longer yeah. for me to be like, I could do this, you know? He was probably 12, and I was like 22. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, so growing up, were you kind of, so it sounds like obviously your brother was a big influence, but were you kind of surrounded by, by music? Because mm-hmm. was, was, as you say, sort of like banging on pots of pans, but were, were your parents sort of like quite supportive of him getting into the drums, and were you sort of surrounded by music growing up? Definitely. Yeah, my parents um, met because they were both working for a chain of record stores. My dad was the general manager and my mom was a bookkeeper for this um, company called Record. uh, I think it's called a record company that, uh, oh my God, I can't believe I forgot. Anyway, (laughs) I think Tower Warehouse bought it at one point, but it was just, yeah, they met there. And so they have a huge record collection. My dad's a musician, still is. And um, yeah, so it's a big part. I kind of used to tease him. A few, he's he's more accepting now that I'm that we're still doing this stuff, but you know, closer to post college and when we were kind of just like putting this ahead of you know career stuff, and he would kind of give us a hard time. I'd be like, "This is this is your fault, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, uh, you you really exposed us to music, so. Um, but yeah, like he's he's come around now, and he thinks it's really cool, and like he was very excited about us going to record with Steve Albini. Although he's calling it Steve Albino, and I thought it was funny. <laughs> He'd be like. Does Albino do this and that? You know, so he definitely is is uh, proud. And in terms of kind of, you mentioned your first show that you went with uh, with your brother was less than Jake, but obviously in terms of kind of the the sort of more punk sort of DIY sort of aspects, when when did you kind of find that sort of live thing? Because I guess like listening to to mixtapes or whatever is one side yeah. of it, but obviously the live experience is something completely different. So when were your eyes kind of open to that side of it? Um, I'd say initially in high school as well, because we grew up, you know, 15 minutes from Gilman Street. So uh, we'd go there. Um, I think my second show was another ska band, but ME330 at Gilman or 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 smaller bands and sing Link 80 at, at Gilman and Good Clean Fun. And um yeah, and just, I don't know, I can't, more than that, but just, yeah, I guess years later, too. Yeah. Um, Just going to, to smaller shows. Yeah, because we'd go to smaller shows in high school, too, and I never, like, thought, oh, it only has to be, you know, bigger ones, because we would go to concerts, too. Like, our first concert was Pearl Jam okay, and cool. Rolling Stones, but we were also going to, you know, the, like, community centers. <clears throat> our house and like the kind of Grange clubs and um you know smaller places so I always like was aware that you could just like play in a in a room or a basement or you know that wasn't like mind-blowing to me Mm. it was just like yeah there's both (laughs) yeah so and that oh sorry go on no go ahead I think I said I was just gonna say because you obviously mentioned that your brother was kind of doing the the mixtapes for you and things and you two were kind of did a lot together but when did you kind of start I guess discovering bands for yourself kind of thing and like they weren't ones that that your brother had kind of pointed out to you and are there yeah. any sort of specific ones that stand out in the memory like this is my band kind of thing if that makes sense yeah I would say that was definitely like college um I'm gonna age myself but this was in like Napster days right yeah so, um, <laughs> uh Sorry, I just got a package. Thank That's you. cool. <laughs> um, 
and uh, yeah, downloading stuff. And and my freshman year of college, I got like super into downloading stuff, and then that's when um, it was more stuff for me. I guess it was less DIY, but it was more like I'd say like Get Up Kids or Thursday and stuff like that. Because I was like eighteen, nineteen years old, and just like really getting into into downloading stuff and discovering things that way. So. And in terms of kind of getting into music, like you mentioned, obviously your, your brother playing drums, but you didn't sort of play play an instrument yourself. So when when did you kind of want to get that need to sort of pursuing live music yourself? Yeah. Well, I tried playing guitar in high school and it just didn't really click. And then um, I remember it was on one of the punch australian tours i think the first one we had like it was a long one we had a lot of downtime and uh i would just kind of mess around with brian our bassist bass and um like learning misfit songs or other like simple stuff just kind of to kill kill time you know Mm. because i think anyone that's been on tour knows how much like downtime (laughs) there can be so if you're sitting at the venue for a few hours and you have nothing to do you know you might pick up your bandmates bass and kind of mess around with it so that's where kind of the seed was planted um and i just like got an interest from there and uh got a got a bass probably six or seven years ago and then um yeah just did i think what most people do is just learn yeah learn like ramones and misfits (laughs) songs at home because they're pretty easy and then um started playing I think the thing that helped me a lot was playing in bands. I wasn't, I have a hard time being like self-directed at home with it, but if I'm in a band, like, um, it kind of keeps me on top of it. So, yeah. Yeah. And so, and then with, with, uh, super unison, just being like, you know, Kevin asked me to join the band. They had basically the, um, the first seven inch and the next single written, the music and yeah. so I hopped on at that point and he asked me to sing and I said you know I'd really like to play bass and so he was so nice to just be like okay <laughs> <laughs> and like, can you play at the same time I'm like I'll learn and so um definitely was a struggle before the first show to do both but now it's much easier yeah. and now actually we just um are playing around with some shows to play with a bassist so that I'm just singing. So we okay. did that um, a show maybe a month or two ago for our record release show and for our East Coast tour, we'll have a bass player with us. So um, I was kind of resistant to the idea of just because now being a bass player feels like part of my identity and I'm not like willing to give it up. And I just know myself that I'll probably practice less if I'm not yeah, you know, yeah. held accountable by the band. Um, that's really my own bad but (laughs) that i can that i can work on but um then we you know i said oh well let's let's do it once and it was so fun so i was like i was like okay yeah let's let's try this (laughs) not not all the time but um you know i think it's it's fun Mm. so and in terms of kind of getting into uh, you obviously mentioned going to smaller shows because whereabouts in in the states did you grow up so I grew up in, uh, like, suburbs outside of, like, San Francisco, Oakland, yeah. like, east of there, um, and then 
I went moved to San Francisco for college, and then I lived there for a long time, and then five years ago, I moved to Oakland. So I've lived very tight radius, about yeah. 25-mile radius my whole life. So. Well, the, the reason I, I kind of asked this question for a lot of, of my guests who are from the States, because I know, obviously, it's such a vast country, and obviously different states and cities have their d- different kind of scenes and vibes. So the, the question I pose is kind of, what was it like sort of for you growing up in like discovering the sort of DIY side of things like what was the the scene around your kind of city like because was, was it more sort of straight up hardcore was there kind of a, a bit more of a sort of punk vibe what was it like I mean I think in the Bay Area we're lucky is that it's just like we have so much you know there's yeah. definitely like you could go to a show every night or many nights you have to choose between shows okay that's um, cool yeah there's just there's a lot um uh yeah i would say in high school going to more punk show punk and ska and then a little bit of hardcore um but again at like like grange halls i don't know if that translates or um like yeah just like rooms you could rent out you know um like that and then kind of a little later going to more yeah like basement shows or art spaces or stuff like that so but there's definitely we're, we're i feel spoiled for choice in the area <laughs> yeah. i think it's getting a little harder now with uh diy spaces just given like kind of the change especially in san francisco just like i don't know the art scene is just being pushed out by like newer like wealthier tech transplants and stuff right, yeah, um, yeah. so that's hard but it's definitely not dead by any means so yeah and do you think that that kind of attitude of being kind of sport for choice as you say has did kind of influence where you were coming from as kind of an artist when you were sort of exploring kind of lyrical content because obviously i think here in the uk like there's sort of a, a defining right that's your kind of traditional hardcore that's your kind of metal hardcore that's your experimental they kind of there's not a whole lot of sort of overlap with there are some bands that do but not massively but do you feel that like having that opportunity of being sport for choice kind of influenced what you wanted to put across when you've started making music yourself um i don't know if that influenced it necessarily i think probably like the major influence is just like that it's like going on tour and like experiencing smaller towns where like the scene can kind of like wax and wane depending on like who graduated college and moved away or who moved in you know what I mean how things can kind of be in flux yeah if like one person isn't doing everything um although we have people here who are really like the pillars of the community and do a lot of stuff like there's a lot a lot more so I think that's something I noticed like going to other towns and having a great show one year and then another year just not even be able to book anything because like you know someone moved away or so um but lyrically no i don't think i thought about it (laughs) (laughs) like i don't think it affected like what i would write about i think when i first was starting with punch especially i thought like as in a hardcore band I had to talk only about certain things and I couldn't talk about other things you know Mm. and as the years went on I kind of like 
let myself relax a little bit and like kind of just talk about whatever I wanted to and, and got more personal and stuff like that. And that's when I definitely saw a better response to yeah. the lyrics anyway, when I was kind of being more open and honest and not being like, I have to talk only about X, Y, and Z, these political <laughs> yeah. things. And like, even though I definitely still try and do that and, and it just comes naturally. Um, I feel like I could also just write about whatever I want. Yeah. And in terms of kind of getting into sort of like, we, we touched upon obviously you picking up a bass kind of a bit more recently, but was there, when did you kind of feel that you wanted to to be a vocalist and kind of, not maybe not necessarily shout, but like be inclined to sort of sing and whatever? When, when did that kind of sort of urge kind of spark inside you? Yeah. Uh, like I said, it was doing gang vocals for uh, an old band of Keith's um, before after we were in a garage in I think Modesto or Merced somewhere in California and um, I just came with and it was like okay we're gonna do the six of us do gang vocals and it was so fun and I'd never like tried that beside like maybe singing along at a show yeah but never just like full on and into a microphone and so that kind of sparked you know something and then it was probably it less than a year later something like that when <clears throat> bunch was getting started and they were trying out different vocalists so i just said oh i want to try out and i got to practice really not knowing what would come out of my mouth it's not something you can like practice at home or <laughs> no i know sometimes i will in the car you know like if i'm driving yeah, somewhere yeah. on the freeway you kind of can um might scare some other people if they see you but <laughs> yeah. um yeah, uh, so I kind of just opened my mouth and just just that came out, and they were like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> so it just kind of grew from there, and I just, you know, that was late 2006, so that was like 12 years ago. Looking back on like how far I've come, and just and I, I, you know, couldn't face audiences. I was just so shy, and what like, again, like just my writing ability and stuff is like come a long way and um so it's nice that you know keith and the other original members of punch like gave me that opportunity wanted to know what the fuck i was doing so so was punch your very first band then yes oh wow okay i didn't realize that i thought like there might have been some, some little band beforehand or not nope <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like while people when people are usually you know figuring it out and when they're like 14 or in high school and they're embarrassing high school bands, I just like had to be figuring it out as like a pretty shy 23 year old woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, so in that, that kind of circumstances then, what, what was that kind of like? Cause obviously we'll get onto to sort of where punch kind of went, but obviously in those early days, was it a case of sort of figuring out what your sort of vocal range was, like how far you could push yourself and you kind of mentioned, obviously, sort of not facing the crowd, like dealing with sort of anxiety and nerves of playing live. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it just took a long time. I, I would, even on those early tours, I always tell how I would, like, just hide in the van mm. um, pretty much before the show, after the show, sometimes when other bands were playing, just because I was just kind of overwhelmed. Um and shy and just like anxious like you said and then a couple of years in I was just like this is stupid 
like and just like was like okay you need to watch all the other bands and not be shy and just like talk to people so that was when I started like doing the merch um just so I had you know kind of a job somewhere to be yeah something to do and kind of a framework to talk to people you know yeah not just like hey how are you (laughs) like hey (laughs) can I get a medium (laughs) and then like if they wanted to talk to me about something else they could you know had opportunity to do that um so just kind of just honestly with time I mean it's really like helped me come out of my shell a bit and I definitely wouldn't be uh the same person without without it so Mm. well that's kind of very grateful to the process that's kind of what I was going to say like it almost kind of sounds like you that that band has kind of shaped the the person that you are today is that Mm -hmm. is that a fair assessment oh my god absolutely yeah I just think I hadn't found like my thing yet yeah you know and I never would have dreamed it would be this like playing in in hardcore and punk bands and now like post-hardcore bands I just never but I kind of didn't I felt like I've said it before in interviews but that I was like floating a bit before Mm. that just kind of you know (laughs) (laughs) I had interest and stuff but it wasn't like I don't know I just really hadn't like found myself or my voice or yeah yeah now in a very dramatic fashion I have (laughs) 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 and my voice is loud um but yeah so and in terms of kind of I guess like the the way that kind of the music that punch made obviously it's in my view it has it's kind of shaped a lot of bands that kind of came thereafter but for that sort oh, of style that's nice to say that sort of style of music is obviously it's fast it's abrasive it's raw it's in your face sort of thing so for mm-hmm. you for you going into that as a first timer what right what what was that kind of experience like because like, if it was I, fun. <laughs> I, but I was gonna say to give you a, a, a little bit of perspective. So I, I do vocals in a in a kind of mathcore, grindy core band sort oh, okay. of thing. But I still to this day struggle with like the the really fast parts, like catching my breath and things. So how was that for you going in, like where every single song is about a minute long sort of thing, and you're just yeah. doing these short sharp bursts? Was it like a a steep learning curve, or did you just kind of fall into it quite naturally? Um, I just figured it out as I went along, I guess. But now it's funny that it's like, oh, the, the songs are short. Now, the I feel like the bigger learning curve has been, like, as our songs got longer. And then, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, Punch started to then have, like, two-minute songs. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> what am I supposed to do now? And now Subunison has, like, four-minute-long songs. Honestly, that has been a bigger adjustment, I think, just because for so long it did do short stuff. And that's just, like, how I learned and what I got used to. But, yeah. um I I haven't listened back to the old punch stuff in a long time. Maybe I should as a challenge, but I bet I'd be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, but yeah, just like anything else, just just learn by doing and yeah. and stuff. And you know, I guess I always had rhythm, so you know, <laughs> if, <laughs> if I could give myself that credit, I get you know for figuring out patterns and and stuff like that, but. I still have a kind of like unsophisticated thing when I'm trying to write a melody where I'll do like write, writing down like dashes for like how many syllables I think it should be and kind of could fill that in and yeah. stuff like that. So it's, it's very much, yeah, someone just figuring it out and kind of getting 
stuck with those habits and they've gotten a little more sophisticated, but not, not really. Mm. And you mentioned kind of obviously throughout Punch, you kind of discovered like who you were, for, like learned a bit more about yourself. And, and, and I think that kind of comes across in, in the, the records in what you're talking about sort of lyrically. So was there kind of a, a moment in the band that you kind of clicked that, oh, I can use this platform to speak about sort of political views or sort of personal views or things that are just happening in the everyday world? Or was that, again, was that something that you learned quite early on that, no, this is a band that stands for X, Y and Z sort of thing? Yeah, it took a couple of records. I'd have to look back to see kind of the moment. Definitely the first seven inch was just me trying to do what, uh, and not that it's not good. Like I said, I haven't listened to it in <laughs> 10 years, but um, <laughs> I'd have to look back. But it's just like writing about what I think I should write about. And so it was probably a couple of records in where I could be more personal or I could, you know, maybe still write a song about veganism, but from like, a different perspective or you know what I mean or just tackling more like kind of personal stuff but still when it comes when it's that kind of stuff I try and like think of like the overall theme so that mm. it's relatable you know what I mean it's not like oh this is about a time that this shitty thing happened to me it's like oh no this is like a song about loss or a song about frustration or you know what I mean like just the bigger themes so that you know I don't, and sometimes I don't like to like spell out exactly what a song is about because I want people to be, I don't want to be like, oh, this song helped me get through this. It's like, no, you're wrong. That's not what the song is about. It's like, I want people to kind of like put their own meaning on it yeah. and um, take that. Yeah. And so obviously when Punch kind of, I guess, started getting a bit of momentum, obviously now in 2018, the musical landscape is very, very different, but in those sort of early days you were one of the few sort of uh sort of i hate using the term but front women of a band um that was kind of doing stuff making a a difference and making a change within the scene so for you i I don't want to say that people kind of put you on a pedestal but for, for being in that position where you were kind of a focal point of the band was, yeah. was that quite a difficult sort of situation to deal with sort of because as I say like nowadays it's fantastic that you've got all these amazing women in all these amazing bands but yeah. I'm I'm gonna make the assumption that in the early days of Punch there were probably you were probably the only woman on the bill on, on a lot of gigs oh yeah definitely for years you know and there and I always like to give credit to the women that came before me and, and inspired me like uh you know Tobias from Look Back and Laugh and Eva from Gather and other you know shows that I got to see that kind of also planted the seed of like I could do this yeah um you know and of course there are countless others before me um and and I like that there are countless others after me and even more and I'm like you know humbled to be just like a part of that uh chain you know Mm. and that is getting even more diverse and um people people are finding their voice because that was super powerful for me to be able to do that and so you know uh, for a long time yeah that was relegated pretty much to straight white guys and that shouldn't be the case I'm glad there's more women and more people of color and and that queer people and trans people are finding their voice too and that we we all need to make space um for that and Mm. I think that's great um I don't think it was difficult for me I didn't like 
it took years to really like kind of notice any of that attention. And okay. I think by that, by the, yeah, even you saying that, I'm still like, okay, wow. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that if it had been like that from like the very get go, that would have been really hard because I was still so, so shy. But I feel like by the time that people were coming up to me at shows and like thanking me and stuff that I felt a little more outgoing and a little more confident where I could like, I would just be like, Oh my God, thank you. And like hug them and talk to them. And so I think I was in a space where I could like handle it. And, Mm. and also too, it's just like as someone who grew up like so shy, um, to have that uh, is like incredible, like to be able to like connect with people like that. And I don't know, it's like, it's pretty wild. And I like, really or like it makes me really happy and I appreciate it and so mm. um yeah and it's not like I'm I don't know it's great and it's in, cool. <laughs> and in terms of kind of uh I guess the sort of momentum that of, of punch like obviously signing to to death which was a, a point where a lot of sort of eyes turned to you but obviously there was a lot of fans prior to that so was there kind of a a moment for you in the band when you kind of thought like oh shit people are actually like really connecting to to what we're doing and sort of give a shit that we're that so much that they want us to come to places like the UK to come to mainland Europe and things like that was there was there like a, a light bulb moment at all actually well I think there was a lot but one I can think of actually with the UK was our first um, <clears throat> Europe tour in 2010 with Camadre. Yeah. Where when we, you know, we did, we were in Europe first for a few weeks and then we were coming to the UK and then back to Europe. Um, and all throughout Europe, you know, we were, we were opening for them and that's what we expected. They've been to Europe before, they've been around longer. And then when we got to the UK, like for whatever reason, the word was out about us there and it kind of shifted just for that, like, I, you know, like, say, five or six shows that we were in the UK, like, suddenly we were the slightly bigger deal, and it was kind of, we were like, oh, okay, like, now it's the, like, punch with Comadre tour instead of the other way around, just for those, like, five days, um, and that was, like, weird, because we'd never been there, and, yeah. like I said, for whatever reason, the word was out, um, so that was cool, but I just, like I said before, just, like, throughout the years just people like coming up to me and you know thanking me or talking to me wanting to talk to me about music or say hey I'm in a band now and all this like I love that stuff and it still happens sometimes and it it seriously makes my day like Mm. it's it's so fucking cool to be uh, a part of that and like you know if I have any tiny hand in like helping people express themselves like that's so awesome yeah Um, and so yeah so just, yeah, or, or and that same tour actually playing Fluff Fest, which was like 3,000 people that yeah, year, yeah. like, so wild. I never, you know, that never have and never will play a show as big as that. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. I really love Super Unison to play Fluff Fest at some point. I just oh. think it's like such a cool yeah. thing. I, I love it. I've been for the, so I've been dying to go for years and then I mm-hmm. finally went uh, for the first time not the year just gone, a uh, year before, and uh-huh. now I go every single time, and I, I, it's it's like that's my summer holiday now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, just kind of throughout the years, as people starting to to approach me at shows, or you know, yeah. people coming out to see, the, you know, because it's like when you start a band, it's like 
at first like only your friends are coming or you know other bands are watching you and then as it starts to be like people you don't know that's pretty cool mm. so um but yeah and i mentioned obviously earlier like the sort of the style of music that the punch played and i think especially like again here in the uk i think there were a lot of bands that were kind of influenced right from what you were doing and sort of taking the kind of fast element that you were taking and either adapting it to hardcore or going the other way and sort of going full-on kind of grindcore but with a more sort of hardcore sort of vocal sort of thing so did you kind of from an insider see that that you were having that influence on other bands or, or was that kind of something that you've now been able to look back at retrospectively I guess retrospectively sometimes it would it would happen um people would say oh we love your band you know here's our demo or we play with bands that um had some similarities but I don't think I ever walked around you know I didn't like walk around thinking like oh they're influenced by us or that, you know what I mean like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think maybe sometimes people would maybe feel shy about it you know like but um yeah I think that's so cool but uh yeah, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, <laughs> <That was cool. laughs> I think it's awesome, but uh, there's probably more. I guess the point is that more influenced by us than I'm aware of. Yeah, yeah. Either because I'm just oblivious about it and not thinking like I'm hot shit, or because uh, people are too shy to tell me. Mm. <laughs> but I think that's awesome. And obviously, when the kind of bands came came to to its end, like obviously if you don't want to kind of talk about the ins and outs of it that's absolutely fine I, I appreciate that but obviously um, they don't have to believe kind of came out there was a sort of a, a kind of a bit of a wave of momentum sort of behind you and uh-huh. as you said like this is your first band you were going for so what, was it 2007 to 2014 roughly uh, end of 2006 yeah yeah so we recorded our demo in like so, December 2006 six and then broke what september 2014 i think we played our last show yeah so good set sort of seven eight years of your life where that's yeah. sort of that is your first band sort of thing so yeah was it was it strange to sort of step away from that that world especially where you were kind of on this wave of momentum yeah yeah it was really hard and something i struggled with and definitely like people close to me knew it was a long time coming and there were other times that i almost quit or you know they don't have to believe almost didn't even happen because I almost quit a couple years before that. Mm. And, um, I think things were just adding up and I felt like I was giving more than I was getting and didn't feel like my opinion was always listened to. And I just, I had a hard time. Um, yeah, it was just like a struggle and I was kind of doing it for those moments, you know, in a basement and somewhere and meeting a fan or something like I was really holding onto it for that. And, it felt like a big part of my identity and I was kind of like oh like I won't be making from punch anymore and then someone was like you'll always you always will be and I was kind of like <laughs> yeah. I was like oh okay even if I quit you know I just was it was so eight years and my only band I was so wrapped up in it being who I was um and so it was hard to admit it was time to move on um but I'm glad I did and I, I would say I have no regrets. I do wish we got kind of a last show. Uh, my bandmates kind of, I don't know, didn't accept me quitting or 
thought the band would continue without me or other things like that. So they weren't willing to do a last show, you know, like a big last show, like those kind of, they happened. And then we, I knew they were the last shows, but we didn't announce them. Yeah. And that sucks. I would have like, and I still would if, if any of them are listening, they're not, but if if you guys want to hit me up, (laughs) let's, let's play a last show. Cause I'd love people to have the opportunity if they wanted to travel and, you know, come to do that. Um, but, uh, so I do regret that and just kind of how it was handled. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah. So from before we kind of jump into sort of the, the super unison side of things. Yeah. Did you kind of want to have like a, obviously stepping away from, from punch, was it a case of like, I need some time for, for Megan to, to kind of reevaluate reassess before you kind of jumped headfirst back into music kind of thing because i know obviously doing my research i know that sort of super unison was something that kind of came to you rather than you seeking it out so did you kind of want to sort of take a back back step from music for a while um i knew i would be in another band i didn't think it would be so soon right uh like i think it was like two three months that kevin hit, hit me up and I told him, I said, I don't think I'm ready, you know, um, it kind of, you know, felt like any other breakup where I had some, you know, some scars and some trust issues, (laughs) and I don't know if I'm ready to get back out there, uh, you know, that's what it felt like, and, uh, he sent me the demos, and I just, I was like, this is the kind of music I want to be playing, Mm. so, um, I said, you know, I'll come to one practice and just see, but it wasn't a sure thing at all, and then, it just really clicked and at the end of because they had had like another bass player for a second that didn't work out they had another singer who um was just like couldn't really fit into our schedule and so i think they were happy too that it something clicked with it and it was just kind of a like okay see you next week you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um and that was guess almost four years ago that's awesome so uh yeah I definitely didn't think I was ready but it was just like the right people and Mm. um yeah and And I and I did want to play like slight I didn't want to I didn't want to do the exact same thing yeah either and I keep trying to like get away from like screaming so much trying to do more of the shouty stuff and when you hear the new record, there's so much screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I keep trying. I, uh, in theory, want to get away from it, but you know, you've got to go back to what you know, again. though, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just got to do what fits the song or what fits yeah, of course. the lyrics. And like, I can't, I can't, like, I mean, I think that's what we really tried to do with Stella was like not make rules for ourselves and like we have to do this and we have to do that. And that's something I always reference to is that sometimes Kevin will have a part and go, Oh, I have this, but I don't know if it's a super unison riff. And Justin and I were just like, that's not a thing. Like just play for us. Like yeah, yeah. we don't, we don't want to have rules about what is a super unison riff and what isn't. So same with the vocal styles. Like, you know, mm. uh, you heard on Falcon, there's like a talkie part. And that was yeah. just something I heard, heard in my head. And I thought the boys would hate it. And, and like, first take, we were all like, okay, that's great. <laughs> so I think it's just, you know, allowing yourself the space to experiment and try things mm. and be okay with it. And... and from kind of obviously moving 
sort of musically like styles obviously from what punch was doing to to now what you're doing in in super unison was it kind of a a bit of a shock to, obviously you mentioned sort of going from writing one minute songs to four minute songs but was it, was it kind of a, a bit of a shock to the system like to to i guess slow down a little bit um yeah i well i well, made me think of this because you said shock is that like i remember like i had asked keith to post on the punch facebook like when um super unison stuff like first came out yeah and i just thought everyone would hate it or be like oh megan is like she shouldn't be playing this or I can't believe she's doing this instead of punch or oh this is like weak or whatever and like unanimously people liked it and I was really shocked by that and so I I guess I just thought that like our fans would want to like pigeonhole me or not want me to like change it all yeah um but I was like really grateful that they kind of allowed me the space to do that and I have been supportive of that um but yeah I mean Sometimes, yeah, the length of the songs, I'll just, like, repeat a part and kind of cheat <laughs> that way. But I guess it's just kind of, or try and push myself, like, okay, I can write a third verse about this and, like, try and see it from a different angle. Or I feel like a lot of songs kind of end up being a conversation between the verse and the chorus, if that makes sense. Yeah. Kind of, like, two sides of it. Or, like, the verse kind of posing a question that hopefully the chorus can answer. Um, so just trying to get creative. And, again, I didn't want to just, like, keep, doing the same thing or being pigeonholed like I think you got to allow you know artists and bands to to grow and change and be like of course I'm not going to be doing the same thing mm. at 35 as I was doing at 23 yeah you know and kind of I guess it goes with the sort of growth of, of you as a person and, and with the music as well but in terms of kind of lyrical content that you're doing for for super unison like it's maybe not sort of too far removed from what you were doing in, sure. in Punch, but obviously it comes across very differently. So was your kind of writing approach different from, I, I guess, kind of being more ab abrasive to kind of now fitting into something that's, I, I guess, a bit more atmospheric and soundscape -y, if that makes sense? Yeah. I don't know if the approach is different. It's just like just trying to hear in my, you know, I'll just kind of hear in my head what a part what would go with a part hopefully mm. you know or sometimes i'll try stuff and it doesn't work um but yeah i just just try and like serve the song yeah. you know and not like what i what i think but like i said you know the kind of talking part in falcon or there's a song on the record you'll hear that has like like a vocal round okay that i heard in my head and then when we initially tried it to demo it the boys didn't like it and i was just like no this is like i hear it, you guys i hear it in my head like <laughs> yeah. i'm telling you like just let me try it so i tried it at the studio and it and they were like okay it's awesome um so just kind of yeah just kind of trying to serve the song and like i said i personally don't really want to scream so much anymore yeah i'm tired you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then you'll hear the record it's all over it because it just that's what it needed and you know and it was like honestly a pretty like dark record there's a lot of death and loss and and stuff and so you know i was angry and sad so mm. there you go I'm yelling <laughs> about it and now i feel a lot better <laughs> 
And again, in terms of kind of, uh, I guess, performance-wise, obviously now having a, a bass as part of your kind of ensemble, I guess, is... Yeah, was and that... I mean, and sometimes, and we're, you know, it's it, it will remain the three of us. Yeah. Because um, we've toured also with second guitar players a couple times, actually, including uh, my brother. Oh, came awesome. On yeah, and play guitar, and our friend Chris, and we've had other people, and, um, you know, the person... Our friend Kimia, who played the show with us and is playing the record release show, will have someone else on tour with us. So it's kind of the idea of like the band is the three of us, and we get the chance to collaborate mm. with friends, um, you know, and kind of put there. And we, and too, when we were teaching Kimia the stuff, I was showing her how I play things, but we were like, please, like, play it how you want. Yeah, and she yeah. Had, a lot of great runs just because she's just a better bass player than me. (laughs) So (laughs) she kind of added her own thing to it as, you know, did other people. And so, um, it's definitely more like a kind of a collaboration, but yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, 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 that's um, fine. To kind of spell out the idea behind it is more, you know, getting our friends to, to kind of add their, their little mix onto yeah onto super innocent so but the, what i was g- gonna ask is obviously because you'd gone from being a sole vocalist sort of microphone in hand running around to what whatever <laughs> and now obviously you've got a bass as well mike is yeah. on the stand so again was that a, an adjustment period like sort of in those early days of super unison of like oh I need to sort of stay in one spot kind of thing. I thought it would be, but I actually really loved it. Oh, okay. That's I, cool. was, I was like, maybe could kind of hide behind it. Or like, I feel like when you're a freehand singer, you feel like you do kind of have to like run around and, you know, it's kind of part of it. Yeah. And sometimes maybe you don't feel like doing that or, but you kind of, ha- it's kind of part of the show, I guess. But with that, I kind of, you know, I had something to do. Or it's like if your song has, like, a one-minute instrumental part, like, you're not just, like, standing there, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm busy, okay? Or, like, I don't love talking in between songs. Like, I just get nervous or I don't yeah, always yeah. say what I need I, to say and stuff. I can relate to but, that, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I try or I'll, I'll practice stuff, but, you know, it's not my favorite. So at least with this, too, I'm like, hey, I'm tuning, you know? I'm yeah. busy. So, um, <laughs> so I actually... I was more worried about readjusting back to being a freehand singer than I was to having a bass. Yeah. So just because I'm like, uh, but it was, it was really fun. And I kind of like, there's different dynamics with super innocent than punch, you know, with kind of the quiet loud and, um, I don't know. It's not weird. There's like kind of more room for drama when it yeah. comes to like, and so I had a lot of fun with that. Um, so there was like a moment towards the end of this, like the the big the outro on on auto, um, where I kind of like sat on the floor and like just stared at my hands, and I just was like, I was like, my hand looks cool. I'm like, I'm just gonna stare at it for an entire thing and just like very dramatically stared at my hand because that's what I wanted to do. Uh, so I'm kind of having fun with that kind of stuff yeah. again. Um, uh, so yeah, I think it's cool and i'm glad we get to do it for the east coast and i just think we can kind of do the songs better justice you know what i mean like honestly like falcon is really hard for me to play it's really fast and so i don't think i could do it live yeah uh, doing both and i can barely do it recorded (laughs) and you mentioned obviously when 
sort of things started going with Super Unis, and you asked about Keith about posting it on the on the Punch Facebook page, and obviously yeah. the, the first record also when that came out. I think from again from an outside perspective, there was always there was still that kind of tag of I was Megan from from Punch sort of thing. Yeah. But obviously the album had great sort of reviews and things like that. So what was, I guess from an insider, finally having like a full length out from this, with this band, was it kind of a a rubber stamp moment for you saying, right, Punch was was a big part of my life. That's done, now move on sort of thing. Because I guess with Auto, it was kind of, this is what Super Unison is, going to be and will be for the foreseeable future sort of thing if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely it's not like okay punch done move on like i think they should just both be respected like as their own thing you know and like you know like i was saying before like being megan from punch has been a part of my identity for so long like it's okay that that's still there but i just definitely like I think Super Unison can stand on its own two legs, you know, and, like, mm. Justin and Kevin are, like, very creative and talented and, like, deserve respect. Not that they're not getting it, they are, but, like... <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> um, and so I just... I think that Super Unison can definitely, like, stand on its own two feet and um, should and doesn't have to always be, like, in the shadow of Punch. I think that they can just, like, kind of stand side by side, you know? Yeah. And... Obviously, we've got the new record coming out sort of end of, of this month. You've yeah. said, obviously, that it's kind of a bit darker and things like that. But in terms of kind of musically, what what would you say fans can expect from this record? Yeah. And actually, I was just pulling up. I wanted to add one last thing to that last question. Oh, go, yeah, go for it. Um, because uh, Revolver Magazine just did, like, the five bands you need to know right now. Yeah. And we were featured, and oh, I thought awesome. it was one of the nicer things uh, seen about us because um, they kind of referenced that. Well, they were just like, oh, it's best known as ex-punch vocalist yeah, adventure, yeah. but there's so much more. But then, so this is more than an artist finding their ide- uh, ideal vehicle. This is the sound of abandoned bloom. And awesome. I just thought that That's was really cool. so nice because, yeah, I think it deserves to not just be like, oh, um, you know, the girl from Punch's new band. Like, it's very much its own thing and... Um, you know, has its own weight to it. So I, that that like I was I was walking on air that day, <laughs> <laughs> all day. Um, okay, sorry. What can people expect? Yeah, it is darker. I think that you know, just where it, like it was born of a pretty shitty two year period, um, and so I use music to kind of process everything and. Um, which I think people do whether they're writing it or just consuming music, yeah. you know, it can really like help us through so much. Um, so yeah, darker, I think there's definitely way more screaming, but there's also more kind of, like I said, playing with things like talking parts or vocal rounds or kind of just trying stuff. And, you know, um, yeah, I just think we're really proud of it mm. and excited for people to hear it. And I, I want to quickly just touch upon, obviously, kind of the the Death Wish connection. Obviously, yeah, the, they obviously put out Punch records, and obviously, but now put out well, put out one and putting out both sort of super unison records, and they're a 
label that I absolutely adore. Like, I think I probably own more Death Wish records in my record collection than any other label sort of thing. But yeah. for for working with them, like, I guess specifically with Super Unison, because it's, it's still heavy, but it's kind of removed from, I guess, a quote-unquote traditional heavy band. So have yeah. they have they kind of I, I guess bought into the super unison idea and just kind of given you free reign and sort of said we like what you do we want to put it out and that's like left everything else to you sort of thing. Definitely, I mean that's something I even liked working with when it, with Death Wish when it came to Punch is like they never said no to us like we would have weird ideas about like stuff we were gonna do like tours or flexies or just you know oh uh, you know not being into making videos or just like you know certain things we and they were always just like okay like so i've always worked most closely with trey and um trey never says no he says we'll figure it out um or well i think his yes yeah we'll figure it out or if it's these kind of no is like we'll talk about it that's when i know like (laughs) okay i'm I'm pushing it like his yes is we'll figure it out and if he says we'll talk about it that means like i don't want to tell you no but uh maybe don't ask me again but um yeah and so uh after punch trey and i maintained a friendship and i just sent him the super unison seven inch um not as like a, hey will you put this out just as like uh, how you send to friends you yeah, know yeah. like hey here's my ba- new band hope you enjoy it like you know no agenda and he was just like who's putting this out um so they helped us with that even though it was self-released like mm. um and then kind of talked about, and it was just like, okay, I want to talk about your future and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that their kind of lineup is more diverse, like in terms of not it, as than it used to be. And I know even like the distributors they're working with are more, um, you know, not just the like super heavy stuff or yeah. metal and stuff. So I think they are like definitely open to that. I don't think that's only us. Um, um, so, yeah he just yeah because of my good kind of like friendship with Trey and you know and allowing us and supporting us to go do something like record with Steve Albini Mm. um you know that was definitely a we'll talk about it kind of situation (laughs) (laughs) um but uh yeah they are just very supportive and and want us to do things our way and um yeah it's been it's been super easy always been easy to work with them because mm. they're just like kind of do whatever you want i think and so. <laughs> something else that I, I just wanted to quickly touch upon is kind of musically removed it to some extent but but with super unison obviously with auto and now stella coming out both the the album artworks are quite sort of striking obviously auto your face is there front and center in sort of neon lights but and, and then right. obviously stellar is... and if and also i'd like to point out that the my bandmates faces are on it too oh yeah no no but <laughs> okay. i'm just talking about on the front no. <laughs> okay but obviously on stellar it is kind of it's very it goes goes with the, the themes that you were saying but it's obviously very dark and sort of quite uh it takes a couple of looks to sort of figure out what's actually going on there sort of thing. So yeah, that was the idea. <laughs> oh, there, there we go. That's what I was going to ask. Is that kind of the thought behind to kind of, I guess, cause like with auto, it, 
what I'm trying to say is like the the imagery goes with the music. So was that something that you yeah. you thought about in, in both albums? Absolutely, yeah. So when writing uh, Auto, I was reading a lot of autobiographies by uh, different women musicians. Um, I didn't like do that on purpose. I was given Kim Gordon's book as a gift read it loved it wrote a song (laughs) after I finished it and then I just thought okay let me keep doing this and so I just like kept uh reading autobiographies like even like I read like Dolly Parton's or like different you know what I mean (laughs) I wasn't like just you know um Kim Gordon or like uh you know other people on punk or like Carrie Brownstein or other stuff like that you know I read Patti Smith just kids and um, like I said, Dolly Parton and, and stuff. And so, um, so obviously that's what auto is short for, because I think that with music, um, you know, you're telling a story, it is somewhat autobiographical, but you can kind of hide behind metaphor. Yeah. And, you know, so that is what the artwork represents is, is, uh, we all kind of had our like author photo taken, like you would put it in the back of a book and then they're, you know, I wanted our eyes to be covered. So it's like, you know, music is autobiographical, but you can kind of hide a bit, you know? Mm, yeah. So that is like the statement behind that. And then um, just because that was like so graphic and so, uh, you know, just the way it was like kind of glossy and overdone Yeah. with this, we wanted to kind of to kind of tailor it back a little bit and have it be simpler, mostly for for Kevin (laughs) the the artwork was a bit much for him last time so just to kind of like okay he likes it super simple so um yeah I just wanted people to not be able to see what the picture is on Stella it's just mostly for texture yeah um I took an uh an item and put it on a Xerox machine and took a bunch of Xeroxes of like a three-dimensional object so it's just the um like the textures um, and then uh, the rest of the artwork is just like all the great photos that our friend Reed took uh, mm. when he came to Chicago with us. So, um, yeah, so kind of just like, you know, scaling it back a bit yeah, and keeping it black and white and, and stuff. So, And obviously you mentioned kind of gearing up when we first started this, this conversation, yeah. you gearing up for, for tour. Obviously, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, are there any plans <laughs> to, to come over these this side of the ocean? Definitely, that is my next goal for a tour, is to come to Europe. A um, little worried about being able to get into the UK, but, we, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we definitely uh, want to go to Europe, yeah. Like I said, I'd love to do, like, summer festivals and, yeah. and stuff. Um, that is that's definitely our next goal because now we've done east coast west coast a couple of times um the job i dj weddings now i have been for the last like four or five years so um that is obviously a very summer heavy job (laughs) and weekends and so and then you know my bandmates work weekdays so it's kind of a scheduling thing is that we're all just like stupid grown-ups with responsibilities (laughs) so uh so that is part of it is just jobs and yeah you know being grown-ups and stuff so but it is definitely uh the next thing we would like to do perfect um megan how i like to to end these little conversations is to ask my guests what their favorite song is but with a bit of a twist oh. so what is your favorite super unison song that you like to play live and why oh okay 
<laughs> oh yeah uh it is a song that has not yet been released but it is on stella called comfort um i don't know it's just really i, I like uh, the bass i like to sing it and play it the bass part is yeah. just really fun it's kind of like booming it's definitely different than the rest of the songs um but yeah and it has like a really good like kind of quiet to loud dynamic that's really fun to sing and then it has the vocal round but i haven't i've been playing around with a loop pedal to be able to do it live and it's just it's confusing to me i can't lie to you so i got i need help someone help me uh so that i can accomplish that live but um we've played it many times without the loop and it's uh it's i love playing it and that was kind of the first song that we were playing live from the record that okay awesome people were really excited about and actually i remember uh our friend jack shirley we recorded that uh the adult swim single with and before that we had it booked and he came to a show and we played comfort and he was like is that the song we're gonna record next week and was like all excited and we're like no it's not like oh (laughs) oh, i wanted to be that one uh because you'll hear it's kind of different it's kind of slower and just like heavy and it's cool so yeah i really love playing that live perfect megan thank you very much for your time i really appreciate it thank you really looking forward to to hearing the record Awesome. Thank you so much. Cheers. Take care. Cheers. Bye. So there we have it, folks. Thanks again to Megan for taking some time to have a little chat with me. Uh, Super Unison's new record, Stella, is out this Friday, so make sure you go check that one out. Uh, well as Door's new record, which is out this this record this Friday as well, so keep an eye on both those records um as always you can keep up to date with what super unison are doing they are heading out on a record release tour um in the states uh soon and we're hoping they will be over here in the uk and europe within the near future but yeah you can keep up to date with what they're doing on all the various social media platforms which as always we will put in the link of this uh, sorry links in the description of this episode of the podcast um but yeah that is it for another week these weeks seems to just be flying by right now we're we're nearing the end of the year which is incredible so i've actually been starting to put thought into our record of the year lists once again um but for now thank you for sticking with us thank you for joining us on the justin inside podcast and i'll see you soon